episode 99 of the Grunge Bible Podcast officially kicking off here today. My name is Chris Salona. I am sitting here with Ethan Shalloway. Ethan, what's going on, man? How are you? Chris, I'm doing well, man. I'm excited. Uh, it's a beautiful Wednesday midweek. We're recording and uh, my energy levels are high. I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Feeling pretty good about uh, sitting here talking with you. How are you doing? Yeah, um, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm I'm really really exhausted, but uh, that doesn't really oh, yeah. matter. Yeah, I mean it's just a constant February. Like it's the shortest month, but I think it it it, it has the biggest tax. Takes um, the most off. Yeah, yeah, it's like you get through it, but what is the cost? At what cost? At what cost? And uh, there's a substantial cost, but you still have to pay the piper, and uh, that's what that's what we do around these parts. I was just trying to think of the uh, that rush, the rush lyric that we were t- at what cost that, I, <laughs> that we were trying to talk about yesterday. Yeah. Well, we're such rush because we love rush. Yeah. yeah, we do love rush, and um, yeah, yeah. This episode is gonna be really good. We're gonna get, kind of go through the year 1999, and and we've talked about. I think we've talked about Woodstock '99 before, but we're kind of gonna get into the albums that were released and the music scene around that time because um, I think that is a Probably a perfect, it's a perfect window for us because we missed, we missed the early 90s. But these songs were maybe these albums that we talk about came out in 99. So they were being played pretty heavily when we were first getting into music. And, you know, they were probably all five years old when we were hitting like 10 to, you know, 12, 15 years old of age for ourselves. So this is, this is pretty cool. We're looking at the list of all the stuff that came out. Um, it's pretty wild that it all came out at one time. Yeah, it was it was a really cool era, and obviously with it being episode 99, uh, there was really only one place for us to go uh, for this right. week's episode, and that is back to 1999. And, you know, I, I, I totally agree with what you say, just the, the diversity that I think existed at the time and how this, you know, wide, diverse set of music had, like, all genres, all sects, had their own place in the public consciousness. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, you had to be into this music to hear it. Like yeah, all of this stuff was everywhere. I mean, there was, and there was so so many different things for you to love, or so many different things for you to direct your hate towards. Uh, you know, we, we 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 don't have that anymore. Like you turn on top forty radio, and you know, we'll get into some of the top albums and the 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 vaunted Billboard Hot one hundred. And uh, yeah, it's just it's a really really crazy mix. It's a cool mix and. Different genres, different artists, different scenes, and uh, yeah, really excited to talk about it. Uh, and I think no matter how old you are, no matter what music you're a fan of, I think everybody has an opinion on this era of music, the late 90s, the early 2000s, and uh, it's we're kind of seeing a renaissance and uh, of interest in this era as I think people who were kids grow up. Uh, as as we've spoken about with a lot of these festivals, a lot of these acts are being booked again and and seeing their uh, their stocks rise, and it's cool. You know, you can always you can always get it back again, and uh, that is the redemptive arc that we love here on the Grunge Bible Podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. Pretty excited about it. Um, but before we do, we always have we take some time to thank our patrons and hopefully inspire someone out there to become the newest member um of the club that we call the top level patreon supporters that you know hopefully we haven't had a growth in a while we need we need something yeah, to uh, we need something to go yeah we've kind know? of hit the uh the, the winter malaise i think the uh the cost of february is hitting everybody but at this time i would like to thank our top level supporters um Excuse me. And they are What the Fuck's Up, Denny's, Rachel Corning, Nikki Six, Shoe the Shoeless, Millie, Laura Nyreen, Marianne, Seattle 4 fanboy from New Jersey, Jamie Lynn, Carleen Salona, our number one fan from Australia, Chris LSMS, Jade Mercado, Fuck Soup, Granny Grunge, Fresh Tendonitis, Brother Nature, Faith Bittner, Captain High Top, Kara Kay, Doug Endy, Eddie Vetter got me through my second divorce. Christine Shepard, Black Hole, Sean, Alex Long, The Blue Owl, and Alexis Shannon. So thank you to all of you for your continued support. And uh, we look forward to adding different names to the list uh, as we approach the century mark next week. And uh, Ethan, we were talking about this, um, and we have to mention it now because this will oh, yeah. force us to do it. But 
We are going to present a top 100 list for our 100th episode. Um, you can only you can only turn 100 once or not at all, right. and uh, we have to seize the moment and do it. And yeah. I'm looking forward to working on this project with you uh, the next week and a half that we have to present the undisputed best songs according to Grunge Bible. And yep. uh, we'll Grunge we'll t- Bible top 100, baby. Exactly. And it's exactly what you think it is. It's our top songs, the best songs that we've ever posted, that we've ever spoken about, uh, all compiled in one list, in one convenient, very accessible, very listenable episode uh, forthcoming on February the 20th. Uh, So we are very, very excited for that. And uh, now we've mentioned it to all of our closest friends and confidants here on the (laughs) podcast. So now there's no way out. We have to do it. Well, it's crazy to think about, and I, I don't think we actually, we haven't talked about this or not, but how long do you think the episode's going to be if we have to talk about oh, 100 man. I think So the longest episode we've done... do we break done, it up? Like, right. do we do a two, no, do no, do we, no, first two-parter? I, I think we have to give it to them in one shot, and they start and finish at their leisure. So the longest episode that we've ever done was Liederman back in 2021, yeah. and that was that was like two and a half hours. Um Tim Sonnefeld went long. I think that was about two. Um, I think it's going to be a two-hour episode. I think so too, man. We haven't done. We haven't. We haven't. We haven't hauled in the big one like this in a while. So and this will be really good too, practice for um, us. This will be really good. Yeah, a hundred percent. And Ethan, um, the crazy thing for me thinking about this, you and I are no strangers to doing difficult things, uh, particularly physically challenging things. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, sitting down and podcasting for two hours, I would rather go in and and do like a like a like a five by seven back squat at four hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> like that's easier for me than doing doing two yeah. three hours of podcasting. It's hard. I know. We're definitely gonna take breaks. We're definitely gonna be like, or we'll come right yeah. back. This and, is why and, we pay our producers and, so we can, yeah, he Drew can produce edited, us. So it'll be no big deal. Um, yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be quite the uh, the journey, and I agree. It is it is no easy task to uh, talk for two hours and and put together a good list that you know people can be uh, you know proud of or upset about. Like we need to we need to make sure that we get we rile enough you know yes rile the people up just enough, and we mm-hmm. uh, yeah. You know, it's we, all we about keep it it's fair. all about generating generating an emotive response. And uh, my hope is that a lot of people listen to episode one hundred um, that don't listen to the podcast in general, and they're going to be confused and upset at some of our decisions. But I mean, we are the judge, the jury, and the executioner in this sense. So uh, we're looking forward to having the definitive and final say as to what the top songs are, according to Grunge Bible, the best songs. And I feel like this episode will have potential to- uh, to Oh yeah, there's gonna be some coming from the garden here, yeah. I think it's gonna bump us up and we may get, uh, you know, Go back to the number one music commentary in the world uh, on the podcast list because of this one. So, but <laughs> before we get there, we do have a very, we have a very important episode to take care of, and that's episode ninety nine. Absolutely, the class of ninety nine, going back to the days of uh, dial up internet, the Y two K crisis, um, Bill Clinton doing ungodly things in the Oval Office. Uh, you know this this era, this this had it all. So, Ethan, if I were to start. Um, Having reviewed the albums that came out in 1999, having reviewed some of the top songs, having reviewed some of the biggest acts and, and some of the biggest shows of that time, if you could describe your feelings towards this era and particularly this year, like what, what, what would you say about it if you were trying to explain just what the hell was going on? Um, well, I don't want to use the word nostalgia right away, but... Um, it is going to take you back to like I even saw like some you know Backstreet Boys and some mm-hmm. some boy bands that were coming up and although that wasn't my cup of tea like it was it was real back then it was big and they were releasing stuff I mean Eminem um, had really was releasing and and I mean all the rap nineties rap and I would I would I would just say that I'll say it dude I think this might be the best time of music the late 90s actually i think it might i might like it better than the early <laughs> better 90s than 91 huh better than 91 i don't know man because we have all that stuff from you know 91 like we or when we're in 99 you have all that stuff to go back to and all that influence they're still they're still going mm-hmm. but we have um you know this 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's a there's like when the when the classic rock time was that's that's all people listened to that that controlled everything. You know, I feel right. like that was it was a very maybe limited, um, I guess, popular music. But this just seems like people were listening. I think I don't know the music boom. I'm not really sh- I'm not really sure um, how to describe it. Other than that, I feel like this is when mm-hmm. mu- the music scene was so big, live performances and stuff. Like people were. I mean, it's always been really big live performance, but um, I don't know. I just it just seems like it was the numbers of of everything just seem really large. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think this episode in this conversation it's very difficult for us to do it objectively because you know we weren't really uh, you know consuming music in 1999 at like five and three years old or whatever the hell we were. Um, but looking back, it is just so bizarre, um, you know. And I and I want to again echo what I talked about before we um, did the Patreon. Um, Thanks. Um, it's just, it's so weird that there was such a wide variety of music that was all occupying like the, the top of the charts and the top of the bill. I mean, like you don't, you can look at like the, the hot 100 lists from, you know, 2021 or 2022, or, um, you know, I mean, most of the 2010s and like, you don't have that variety. You don't really see, um, guitar driven music, um, up there. You don't really see, a lot of these things up there, you don't, uh, I mean, with, with major festivals, you don't have the variety that I think existed at the time. And it was really, um, it's, it's a great, uh, culmination, I think of the nineties in terms of what we got in the nineties musically. Um, I mean, there were so many different scenes that, um, were so innovative and so created so much special music. I mean, obviously, um, talking about the grunge scene and the rock scene, the stoner rock scene, hip hop, alternative, um, R and B. I mean, there was the nineties were just the greatest. Um, and it, it, it's so, so cool. And this is kind of like a, um, like a rushed fever dream drive by of everything that happened from 1990 to 1998. And, you know, all of those influences come to a head here in 99 yeah. and all of these artists. And um, it's just a really, really cool year to look back at. And certainly so if you were, um, you know, of certain ages at that time, you know, if you were a, a teenager, you know, if you were in your twenties, I'm, I'm sure a lot of these songs are, uh, the ones that play in your head when you think of your best friends and, and fun times that you had. So that always counts for something. And uh, I don't mm-hmm. think those feelings um, lessen as the years go by. I think they, they only you know become stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. There's like, I was looking at some, some of the lists and it's cool to see what bands like this was their first album that they mm-hmm. released. And it was their first intro to the world um, and I don't know if this is the best place to start, but I do want to start. You know, there's there's tons of albums that we could start with, but um, one that stuck out to me was that American Football released their yes. first album. Yep, American I have Football. this one down too. And you know they are widely considered very influential for like the emo rock and the Midwest rock, and people mm-hmm. love them as a band. Um, it was their self titled album, American Football, and. Um, you know they had never meant on it, which is one of their one of their their top song and one of the songs that people recognize instantly. And um, you know it just had that melodic, you know, guitar gazing kind of riffs and whatnot all through the album, and it, it had that stream of consciousness kind of thing where you know overthinking or something like that. And I don't know, I just I find it that was their first release to the world, other than like another I think a small EP, but. Um, yeah, that's just a really that's a really solid album to kind of that maybe go you know that people probably don't think of in '99, but I think is very yes, uh, influential. I was, I was surprised to see this uh, as having come out in 1999. I did not recall um, just you know in all of my time spending spending time researching, but it, it is it is weird to think about that that genre like you know, ground zero for all intents and purposes was, was this album. I mean, you have everything, you have that Midwest emo guitar, you have the harmonics, you have the, um, the horns coming in on this album. It's like, um, 
it's it's just the perfect genesis of capturing something and creating something that was new. Um, and I'm such a sucker for this music. I'm such a sucker for um, so many things that go on in that genre. And American football were, you know, at the forefront of it. I mean, like this genre is so good at creating um, just really, really long song and album titles that I love. It's like, you know, you didn't pick up the phone and I didn't think you would even if you could or something like that. I love shit like that. And they started oh, it. Yeah. They, were, they were such a big influence. Um, such an iconic album cover too, you know, of that of that house. Um, and I've I've posted that a few times on Grunge Bible, and people really, really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, and just popcorning around. I mean, you have the birth of of that scene, or what a lot of people feel that scene to be, and and identify where it began with that album. And also at the same time, in the same year, you have. Uh, Dr. Dre's 2001 comes out. Yeah. And and this is, I mean, as, as hip hop goes, I mean, this like West coast hip, like this is, um, I mean, this, this, this is in the Pantheon. This is the Mount Rushmore right here. I mean, Dr. Dre, um, two of, I think the most recognizable hip hop songs that were ever created come from this album. You have still Dre and next episode. Um, yeah. you hear those everywhere and you will hear them everywhere forever. Um, and yeah, it's just, and I, I could say this about all of these records and all of these songs that has, have had staying power, but it's such a strange concept for me that at one point these songs weren't, you know, iconic because they were new. They, yeah. they couldn't have been iconic they because they, they had just been born. Like I, I just, I struggle to understand like hearing the next episode, for example, and, you know, smoke weed every day at the end and, and not knowing what that was or not instantly knowing the song. It's just, it's something really, really, really strange for me to think about as somebody yeah. in my mid twenties right now. Yeah. That album, I mean, I saw that on the list and I kind of thought the same thing. It's like, yeah, that was, that must've hit the, like once it hit the airwaves, like it really must've changed. I don't know. It, it must've been so just, inspiring for a lot of a lot of artists you know a lot of stuff mm -hmm. that comes out for the next 10 years um yeah that that was a, that was a, a good one and a, you know i don't think we'll spend as much time maybe on the uh uh the rap and the and the boy bands that, are, that have albums coming out like um but it is worth mentioning because it's very important for the scene yeah it absolutely is i mean these were like i said at the beginning and, and and earlier they occupied the top of the food chain at the time um and everybody i think there was just um there was uh there was universal recognition of you know the 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 masters of their craft at the time where i think now people are a little bit more siloed into areas that they um you know that they like and and while discovery is easier than ev ever because of the internet it's like you have these these services that make playlists based off of what you like and and you're not you know you might not be exposed to some other things that you would have been on the radio or you know with different commercials and and, and whatnot yeah. but um that's certainly one and, and another one that is that same thought for me like i cannot imagine experiencing this as something that was new was uh blink 182's third album enema mm -hmm. of the state came out and it's got my favorite blink 182 song going away to college on there it's got all the small things. I mean, this one is uh, "What's My Age Again." Um, Adam's song, I believe, is on there as well. Yep, Adam's song. Yep, Adam's song, which is one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite songs to play on drums as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anthem. This is this is definitely a really really solid album. Has the, you know, the uh, super popular or remember uh, memorable uh, album photo of the lady putting on the glove and oh stuff yeah and how many how many people have have uh have dressed as that for halloween oh yeah i'll never know um certain people <laughs> still do it like you know halloween just last year in 2022 i i saw a lot of people uh do that but i mean it's timeless and uh mm -hmm. you know art's timeless so it's yeah. uh you know you need that one there and and there's even on this on this list there's even albums that we've spent a lot of time talking about um rage against the machines battle of los angeles came out in 99 mm -hmm. um the foo fighters uh there is nothing left to lose their first record with taylor hawkins um that came out just one of my one yeah. of my favorites yeah. Mm -hmm. Aurora, I still contend, is the best Foo Fighters song ever, uh, and that came from that record. Um, additionally, Silver Chair's Neon Ballroom came out in 1999, and perhaps most importantly, on September 28th, 1999, the anniversary of our births, Creed's Human Clay was released. Yes. Um, and I mean, that important. one, 
yeah, I mean, the, the, what else is there to say about that? Um, I mean, that's another another dynamo. Whether you love it or hate it, you know it. Um, I mean, is it the best album that came out that year? Can it might we... be. I mean, I think it puts a lot of these to shame. Um, and it's 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 Creed and and Human Clay. They are the exact personification of that quote. Um, you know, I think it was said regarding art, but it's like you know, the opposite of love is not hate; it's indifference. I mean, people <laughs> people love or hate this. I mean, I I, I couldn't tell you. We post Creed, we post it frequently, we post memes about it, we post, um, you know, testimonials, if you will, about it. And I don't ever remember anybody commenting, like, yeah, this is fine, like, it's good. They're either like, yeah, man, Creed fucking slaps and you're, 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 you're a turd if you don't think so. Or you're like, oh my God, like, this is what death sounds like. People, people have opinions about this stuff. <laughs> People care. People care about and, Creed one way or another, you know? And they assume that we want to hear it. Oh, yeah, which is really important. Yeah, I definitely want to hear their opinions. Um, another one that I, I think we forgot to mention, uh, Red Hot Ch- Chili Peppers' Californication came out in 1999 mm-hmm. as well, um, which I think... I, I don't love the Chili Peppers, and I feel like by this point they were they were well into their era of releasing Red Hot Chili Peppers albums that sounded like Red Hot Chili Pepper cover albums. Um, I mean, they do what they do. Um, you know, scar yeah, but tissue, this one was, scar tissue. Yeah, I know. But this one, this one is one of the best, dude. This is what this is what really. I and mean, this is like their top. They have, I mean, Californication, Other Side, and. Um, there's a ton of there's a ton of good stuff. No, and, I, I and you're know. Right. Yeah, I just, they do. I mean, the Chili Peppers sound like the Chili Peppers, but at one point they didn't. You know what I mean, a, Chris? <laughs> at one point, at one point they were they were. But I guess like, it's a, a good band. thing. I mean, you know, you know who they are, and you know what they do. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I I appreciate this album a lot. I I do listen from time to. I think Road Trippin' is on there as well. Uh, I just the Chili Peppers are never for me. Like last year, they did. You know, they did the big tour. Uh, as big bands do, and I remember people are like, "Oh my god, dude, are, are you going to the Chili Peppers?" And I was just like, "No, I'm not going." I can't pay. I didn't go to see it. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I have a, sm- a softer spot for the Chili Peppers because you totally a, do. Yeah, and 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 this is part of me, um, this it would is be such unfounded, a and it's not necessary for me to to rail on them. But I mean, this is like this it, what happens. If I had to, like, okay, um, this is going to sound maybe off the wall, but like, if you had an opportunity for me to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers right now or Pearl Jam in their current state. You're picking the Chili I, Peppers. I've, I've never seen the Chili Peppers. And okay. I mean, at, at, you know, everybody, everybody's getting older, but I feel like the Chili Peppers are still kind of crazy and I don't really know what to, exp- like, I, I, there's a novelty behind it that I do want to see them. That's fair. At some point, I understand. yeah, I don't know. They're all they're all like you know we got Flea and Anthony and like they're just kind of you don't know what they I don't know they're loose cannons in a way where I don't know I, I know if I go to Pearl Jam I'm going to get an extremely uh, you know an awesome show but uh, there's the but then again you know Chili Peppers could be super disappointing if I went yeah yes. I mean who's to say and it's all at the end of the day it's all a matter of taste and it's all subjective but um you know I I I, I respect that I understand that oddly enough um because I know in 2022 yeah last year um Ethan we tried and we failed uh, a couple of different ways to get Pearl Jam tickets and then at the end of the day we're like you know what like we're fine um I'll tell you the last like couple of weeks, really the last week, I've been I've been getting into the live Pearl Jam once again. Um, even like even some of their more recent live stuff uh, from like the 16, 2018 and twenty twenty two tours. Like I've been I've been hammering it, and uh, it's kind of uh, awakening the getting Pearl Jam in me. Yeah, I'm back. I'm putting the word out that we're back up. Put the word out. I love that. That's 100%. good. Uh, I, I understand. I can see we've been listening to a lot more Red Bar. Um, I think we should Red talk Bar. about that, actually. So last week yes. we did do um, an episode did Yield. all on Yield, and uh, we got to Red Bar. And if you guys know this song, if you don't know this song, you should go listen to it. Um, it's about a minute and a half. Is it? Is it even two minutes? I think it's even shorter than that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was one of those songs that, it's you know, we talked about it as a filler. Um, but then, you know, over the weekend, something happened and we found ourselves sending it back and forth and listening to it. And it's it's moved up in, in, in its uh, its fame for us. And I think that, I don't know, yeah. how, would you, how would you describe Red Bar now? 
Well, I mean, I'll describe it exactly how I described it to you over the weekend. I mean, this is just one minute and six seconds of pure listening bliss. But um, I was uh, I was away with some friends and um, uh, we happened to be drinking heavily. And for some reason, I think it was because it was like the day before that we had recorded the podcast. And I was listening to Yield a lot that week. but, you know, we happened to be very inebriated. And for some reason, I got to a point in the night that Red Bar just started playing in my head of like, just like the high pitched, like, we're all crazy. We're all crazy at war. Just over and over with like the little, like, I don't even know what kind of sounds are going on in there. <laughs> you know, it sounds like a one man band. It sounds like they it got does. an old it's, guy it's, that's it's... doing like everything. And he's like, he's like stomping his feet, which <laughs> making the hi hat go and doing yeah. all this shit. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's really just like a man about town making things happen. But yeah, it just, it popped into my head. And I remember I texted you. And uh, you were also having a having an experience, and 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 you thought it was really funny, but then the whole rest of the night—that's all I heard. You know, I'm hearing people talk, I'm talking to people, but in the back of my head, I'm just hearing that we're all crazy, <laughs> we're all crazy at war. Um, um, yeah, it's really really important, and and the best part, um, I've been I've been using Reddit a little bit more lately, and uh, in the aftermath of this experience, um, I was on Pearl Jam's uh, the Reddit Pearl Jam page. And somebody posted about Yield, and they were like, what's your favorite Yield song? And somebody had already put Red Bar, so I had to reply. I was like, I came here to say this. <laughs> That's awesome. Best song on the album. Dude, it's so good. I am just I just pulled up the text that you said. I, I won't, maybe I won't read it, but I, I'm just looking at it, dude. The fact that it came, this, this sentence of words came in that said that you were listening to Red Bar just blew me away. It was just so, so random. Um but it was so important. Um, an album that I, I don't want to over, or a band that I don't want to overlook here that has, has a very, uh, you know, just a very important song that come, came out was uh, Smash Mouth. And, the uh, Astro Lounge the, out the in Astro 1999. <laughs> and of course, like we get All Star, we get one of the best uh, songs, you know, something that shrek like it's a synonymous with shrek one of the best movies of yeah the early it, was, it was in a major well. league baseball video game that i i remember i didn't own it oh, i rented it from soundtracks. blockbuster it was yeah. like i forget i forget which what, what it was called or what year it was but that was like the, the theme song and the little trailer that plays at the beginning of the video game it was set to all-star and i remember hearing i was like this is the coolest thing i've ever heard uh like i i need this in my life but it's crazy like there's so many so many songs from this era that um, you, like you're just not going to kill. Like you cannot kill these songs. Like I think like like All Star is always going to be known. Um, you know the like uh, 2001 by Dr. Dre. Like those songs are always going to be. I mean, this just it's you know in one year all of these songs. Like I I don't know. It's like I I I struggle to think that there's going to be an era that college kids aren't going to be singing all the small things, you know, at, yeah. at the, at the TV timeout of the basketball game on campus. Like it's just, uh, yeah. some of these songs, like, I think they just, they're just going to exist, um, forever, which is really cool. And, and not every era can say that. And certainly not every band can say that. And, uh, there was a lot of that going on really, really great albums. And, um, I have to say, you get a better feel for the diversity of this year when you take a look at the uh, the Billboard Hot 100, and uh, you know there's some there's some some faces that we haven't spoken about. There's some uh, repeat offenders that we have spoken about on this show, um, and uh, yeah, there's just this is a really really great variety. But um, what do you, what do you think? Um, you know, I I can uh, I can list off some of the the top five songs at the end of the year on the Billboard Hot 100. That's- yeah, that's a good start. Let's hear the let's hear the top yeah, five. Yeah, so so the number one song of nineteen ninety nine. We'll start at Bo- five. Okay. Yeah, we, got, we, we yeah, did okay. we did this once before. We got to start at five. Right. Yeah, I, I like I like to just cut to the chase. I, I skip the foreplay and do, uh, just get to it. But all right, so number five, um, naturally, Britney Spears makes an appearance with yeah. uh, "Baby One More Time." Yep. Uh, you know, and that's that's another one that is uh, something that I was uh, struck by. And this is a really stupid observation. It might sound stupid. It might sound profound. But so many of these songs sound. Like there's no other year that they could have come out in. Mm-hmm. Um, just I don't know if it was the way they were produced, the way they were written, the way they, they were created. It's just like yeah. I couldn't imagine this song coming out now or or earlier. Like it's just yeah, it's perfect for the time and space. 
And like as as a celebrity or someone in these bands, the boy band or the like a young girl during this time, the way that you were a celebrity is uh, you know different now. I probably because of social media now and how it's Make changed. Make a pop but, record. Yeah, and and um, you know it's interesting, Britney Spears, because of her like her life arc and like the way and what she's been through and, and like what she's come around. But like during that time, dude, like she was. Like a global the biggest, phenomenon, the hottest, yeah, and like young, she, exactly. She was like, like, I mean, yeah, she, she was I think she was, she was 18, yeah, like, unreal. That's crazy. crazy, yeah, yeah. That's, the, I mean, and everybody loved her. It was, she was huge, yeah. And, um, yeah, we have people like that now, obviously, but like, I don't know, those, those, the 90s, like celebrities, like the way people looked at. You know the Backstreet Boys and those guys well, and fanboyed over now, those. Like, yeah, it's like now we have like like the the new big things. Then are now old, and you know it's just the passage of time that does that. But it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean that song. I remember being a kid. That was everywhere. That yeah, was in I didn't TV love, shows. Uh, yeah, was, yeah, I didn't no, like, I mean yeah, I not, wasn't like super into it, but like no, I get my, it. Not, not my cup of tea. Um, and you know, moving up to number four, like there's there's a few songs on this list that like I honestly don't really remember. Um. And uh, number four is Whitney Houston's Heartbreak Hotel. This is one that I, mm. I didn't really remember. Um, and I was surprised, Whitney, I guess. So, yeah, yeah I, I was surprised, I guess, that Whitney Houston had a hit that high. I mean, I mean, like I said, like that's a comment that somebody who just wasn't really, you know, listening to music back then, uh, you know, could yeah. make. And, and that's why. But um, same thing with um, with number three, um, Monica's Angel of Mine. Mm. Um, I definitely uh, this one. Does this one ring a blank for you, Ethan? Yeah, it, it does. And I mean, this is sometimes the Bill, Billboard Top 100 just doesn't mean shit. I mean, if All Stars yeah. not number one, if Arms Wide Open's not on there, like we know that these people aren't. They, yeah, they yeah we, know. we know it's a sham. Yeah, it's like pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't tell me that. Yeah, all the small things isn't shouldn't be up there. But yeah, so the the list is a little different. Actually, I'm not I'm not sure about that song either. But you know, we move on, right? Yeah, we do move on. And uh, number two, uh, the uh, the the runner up is uh, TLC. I mean, exactly uh, yeah. what we're talking about, and it's No Scrubs, which yeah. for me, yeah, absolutely, That's a this good is. One. This is a hallmark uh, of this era, I think, in TLC, um, as as they were, um, you know, a, a hallmark of that era, and and one that I I don't think persists, um, you know, in in the public consciousness. Maybe as some of the ones that are down the list that we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, really, really great nonetheless. But that clears the way for the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 of 1999. And that is Believe by Cher, which is amazing. Um, I had forgotten about this song. I forgot about that, yeah. I I, I had to fire it up this morning, um, and it's just amazing. Um, I remember hearing this all the time. So my grandparents exclusively listened to uh, a station in Rhode Island, they still do, called Light Rock 105. And it's Mm. exactly exactly (laughs) what it sounds like. You know, it's not... um, it's not cutting edge. It's not really going to send you anything that's new. But this song, Believe by Cher, I swear to fucking dolls. God, plays every single hour. Like, I remember <laughs> being a kid, like, with, like, my grandfather or grandmother, like, we're going to church or, like, we're, they're driving me to soccer practice and Cher's belting out, you know, asking if you believe in life after <laughs> love. And, um, you know, hard questions for, like, the six-year-old that I was. But, you know, it gets you thinking. A crazy thing, too. Um this song was not Cher's first number one hit, but it was her first in 33 years. Um, I mean, that's, wow. that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Like you go like 33 years is a long time. Um, but to have a 33 year you know what gap, she said, Chris, what? she said, put the word out and let everybody know that I'm back. That's what she I want said. You to put the word out. I want you to put the up. word out. Seriously. That's I mean, crazy. Just, 33 years between the two number ones. That is, mm-hmm. that's, that's, gotta be a record i'd love to yes, know i'd love it, yes. to know the record it is it is the record it's the longest gap between number ones that's um, awesome and it goes back her previous the previous number one was um i got you babe by sunny and share uh mm. the vaunted power couple that that's great uh went on to be a powerful not couple but yeah really really incredible it's, it's a classic like late 90s like dance anthem like i mean she's got those like that like booming deep vocal performance there which i mean you gotta you gotta love share right yeah that uh, i i need to listen to more share i think believe it or not yeah. 
So maybe go back into it. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite thing about this top 100 list, Ethan, or, or hot 100 list is uh, the number eight song. And Ethan, I just want to live in a world once again, where a song like Every Morning by Sugar Ray can oh. be one of the top 10 songs of the year. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is a good one. Yeah. Um, I agree, dude. I miss those times. I uh, Shit. Oh my goodness! Yeah, nostal- there's nostalgia kicking in and stuff. I was getting some smells of uh, you know spring the other day and some of the, the mm-hmm. dewy stuff, and it it kind of took me back to waiting for the bus in elementary school, and yeah. kind of like yeah, when every morning was playing, you know, like <laughs> it's just like, you yeah, had like these the way songs. the air smells, the way the sun's hitting the pavement. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for a while, I remember when I was younger, and people would say like, you know, you go to places and certain smells take you back, and I always found mm-hmm. that to be interesting and maybe i didn't understand it because i hadn't lived enough life to really associate you know you i mean it's easier to associate what you see but um you know associating smells and and having stuff like that take you back to when yeah like a very specific like playing outside when you were seven years old smelled a certain way and and Mm -hmm. oh man yeah had it all it all came back It it was really cool and um and every morning, that's that's there's certain yeah there's certain sounds and the songs of those times. That little so. guitar lick at the beginning was that was one of the first guitar licks that I learned that I thought would like make it sound like I actually knew how to play the guitar when I certainly didn't and I still don't. But you can still break out into some yeah. see, some Sugar Ray. See, I think we are, you know, kids right now are, are learning to play guitar and their first thing should be to play Sugar Ray, but it's not anymore. You know? <laughs> like, no, they, they want to play some Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, like when you went to learn guitar, this, this the songs that you were learning were, you know, these these songs, yeah, you know? Ab- absolutely. You know, Red Hot Chili Peppers or uh, you know, some human <laughs> human clay, if you were so Oh, inclined. yeah, I need to, need to break out into into some of that. Um, that's that's certainly a highlight of this list for me. Um, a couple one. other highlights for me. The Goo Goo Dolls were here a few times. Um, their, their, top, uh, their top performance on this Hot 100 of 1999 year-end chart was uh, Slide, uh, which is just, I mean, classic, classic song. Uh, checking in at number 13. I believe uh, Black Balloon and Iris were also on this list, although I think Iris had peaked higher in previous years, I mean, because that was one of the biggest songs in the world. And there was a time, Ethan, that on all radio, Iris was the most played song ever. Wow. Yeah. What you think about it, I mean, it, it got significant airplay on like just about every it's, single possible format i mean it's, top 40 it's rock, in the middle of the venn diagram it is know? in the middle of the venn diagram you can see you can, it, it plays everywhere you could play yep. it and, and the rockers will, will cry the exactly everybody, everybody loves it man yeah. i i went through an irish stage you know i went through Dude, the I mean, stage. It, just, it comes down to you know what john Renzik said i mean you bleed just to know you're alive oh man dude goo goo dolls they may be the perfect band to spend spend like a small amount of time with and get the most out. Like you may be able to, uh, you may be able to squeeze and get you know the most juice out of such a small time when you go there. Dude, There's I'll no, tell you, front you to back, to, yeah, front to back, a boy named Goo and dizzy up the girl. <laughs> I mean, you can't. You, you can't oh. miss, and it just tra- like it's songs like that that transport you back to older days. Or if you're too young, they transport you back to what you think the older days were, um, which I mean, for me, like I wasn't even alive in 95, but you know, you listen to a boy named goo, you listen to name and you're like, shit, like I'm back in 1995. Yeah. It's really good. It's important. Um, and the goo goo dolls, I mean, they still play, um, you can still see them live and, and, and they still rip, which is great. Uh, we're due for that a Goo Goo Dolls post on Grunge Bible, I think. Um, another song we spoke about earlier. I'm surprised to see it this low on the list. I mean, or Yeah, I mean, I think it should be a top. I, I'm surprised it wasn't in the top 10, but it is All Star uh, by Smash Mouth. Which what number checks was in it? Number 17. 17? Yep, exactly. That's good to so. know. At least, you know, it's t- it got some recognition of top 20. Yeah. 
If we, did, if we did a redraft, I'd, I'd move it up, of course. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, we can we can atone for our sins. And um, another one, really, really funny case here. Um, on the year-end Hot 100, um, there is a Pearl Jam song listed, mm. and it is their cover of Last Kiss, which is a, uh, I yes. think it's like a Wayne Cochran original from the 60s. Um, and they, they, they recorded it, um, and they released it as a single in 1999. And la- their cover of Last Kiss peaked at number two on the Billboard charts, which was their highest charting song ever, which is really, really funny because it's completely antithetical to per- what I consider Pearl Jam to be. And yeah. it's a cover song. Um, and it checked in on the year end list in 1999 at number 23. Wow. Um, yeah, fun, fi- is- fun fact about Last Kiss. That was like that was the, that, that when i played guitar that was the first song i played on guitar that's that's the first song everybody's played a guitar <laughs> i know it's yep. funny because i i mean i yeah i could play last kiss but that you know that's it dude yeah, it's, it's like four chords four chords and the truth there's there's a g there's a c and there's a d and then i think there might be an e minor in there they yeah. really get advanced on you yeah um but i mean it's it's classic yeah that's that's the Char- easy one charted number what'd you say hey number two? That, sometimes it doesn't take much um you know, and I'm I'm glad that you know they they made their way into the top 25, but it climbed all the way up to two. Um, the next Another, part of this, yeah, I want to. Oh, I was, yeah. I was gonna say there's a few more. I don't know where if you're gonna go keep going on the list, but there's a few other albums that I saw that that need some recognition. Um, a really surprise, not surprising, but um, one of my favorite albums by the Counting Crows came out this 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 year. The Desert was Life. This Desert Life, 1999, yeah. right? And, yeah. yeah. And we got Hanging Around. We have one of my favorite songs in Mrs. Potter's Lullaby. Yep. Um, Colorblind is on there, I believe. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would have I We love the crows, man. We do love the crows. And, and we are in winter and it's peak counting crows season. Yeah. And, uh, man, it's, it is, it's, it's, I don't know if it's my favorite. It probably isn't my favorite album by them. I mean, I had it downloaded for a while on my phone and stuff and was listening to it. That one's really good. Um, Everything You Want by Vertical Horizon was that year. (laughs) Maybe maybe a one-hit wonder, one song. But uh, damn, I do love that song. I love love listening to that. So I had to bring that one up. And then, yeah. do you know? Do you, did you listen to the Bloodhound Gang in uh, high school at all? I don't even know what the Bloodhound Gang is. You don't? You know the song <laughs> no. "Bad T- Bad Touch"? I don't think so. You you pro- you probably you probably do. Um, but yeah. their album "Hooray for Boobies" came out that year, and that's, <laughs> oh my god! And the the song is "Bad Touch" that everybody knows from yep, that. That's They're, very unapologetically late nineties, right hell, there. Hell yeah! Oh yeah! This, the, I mean, it's it's the album. All the titles are kind of. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. You should spend some time in the Bloodhound Gang. Mm-hmm. I can't believe yeah. you didn't hear that. That was like I mean, that was peak who, middle who school may, stuff. Bad Touch may, was like it's like maybe I have but sexual I've, I've it exploration out when you're you know, thirteen years old and shit. The Awakening. Do you remember Ethan um, back back around that era, like where you're first learning about certain things that you know you come to learn about as an adult? <laughs> I remember like that era. You go from not knowing to knowing. (laughs) But like the worst part and like the worst social situations as like a, like a 10 year old to be in, somebody would come to school and they would like say a term or, um, or a maneuver or something that was not, that was of the adult realm. Right. And they would say it and they would giggle and they would laugh and be like, do you know what that is? And then they, <laughs> and you have like, you'd have to lie and say, you'd have to yeah. lie. And of course, whether you knew it or not, you're like, yeah, I know what it is. And then like, oh yeah, well, what is it? <laughs> and then you'd be faced with the moment of truth because if you didn't know what it was, because at that point, like, you know, we were, we were, in, we were in grade school. I mean, some little shit was looking it up on the internet at home, you know, while their parents weren't looking or whatever. And then they would come in and mention this terminology. <laughs> like, That's a you simple don't know what it is? uno reverse right there. Like, <laughs> exactly. how do I know you know what it is? You tell me, I'll tell you if it's right. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, re- I remember finding myself in those situations and it's probably the time it was probably a 50 50 split of like me knowing what it was and me not knowing what it was. But I, I never had, I never, I never, uh, I, my bluff was never called because I was always like, well, if you know what it is, then tell us, like, I'm not saying it. <laughs> Holy so shit, funny. Dude, that, yeah, that man. Those some good stuff. I remember that that was the conversation for the lunch table. Always mm-hmm. the lunch yeah, table lunch is when you, and, and it was recess for us. Yeah. Lunch, recess and bus rides, man. There's no shadow. Oh, the bus there, rides. Man. Bus rides are so, <laughs> so important. Yep. Yeah. That was the, uh, 
Yeah, those those were the times. This is a, I'm I'm glad we uh I feel like that's that's got to be a common experience uh that we've all had at one point or another, so I'm glad that we were able to touch on it. Um mm-hmm. I want to mention a few other songs from this uh Hot 100 list because I think the greatest part about this is uh kind of something that I I feel like is like the there like there's some names section that like you know I just oh, I've forgotten yeah. I've forgotten about these and like I remember you know I'm scrolling down this list and I get to number 28 and like I completely forgot about this but checking it at 28 is what it's like by Everlast uh which is just awesome. absolutely amazing um this is like a classic song like I don't know you just think of like like a white dude in baggy pants like listen to this song like you know, it's, I just, I, I did, uh, this is a it's song with the that vertical I horizon stuff. You yeah. Know? Like I, right I learned there. how to play this song at one point and, um, I had completely forgotten about it. And like, I'll always, I'll always get down to this song. It's like, you know, it's got a, got a great message too. You know, Whitey Ford sings the blues. Oh yeah. That, that is, that's solid. That's, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it wouldn't be a 1990s uh, top charting list if uh, Lenny Kravitz didn't make an appearance mm-hmm. and uh, he's checking in with Fly Away at number 29. And I remember hearing this one when I was a little kid uh, in the car. Yeah, it's got that like crunchy guitar. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the Krav. It's, it's Lenny. Dang. Come on. This is definitely, yeah, this is right in the zone, dude. The turn of the century zone. Yeah. That, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is the nostalgia zone for me. Like songs yeah, there's, like that. Yeah, I, like going through like all the albums that came out. It's just crazy how. Um, yeah, it's just so funny. You just have like Mary J. Blige, the Backstreet Boys, mm-hmm. freaking DMX, Dido, Fiona Apple, Britney Spears, Slipknot. You know, Corn. Everybody's Child, Wilco, yeah, I mean, the- Tom Waits. Yeah, Destiny's Child, and you know, Incubus. Just. Whoever, you know, Built to Spill, Foo Fighters, Nas, just very, and then my, one of my favorites, well, uh, not, oh yeah, they had, they had a pretty good, pretty, played a pretty decent role in my life was Muse, and okay. uh, Muse had their first album uh, come out um, during this time, Showbiz, and uh, I don't know, they had a nice little run, they were very, like, they had the, you know, the Knights of Sidonia on uh, Guitar Hero 2, and got him popular and i remember it was kind of big in our school because it was kind of that like it was almost for the the theater kids kind of mm-hmm. rock rock and roll for theater where it's like and it was very technical type of like seemingly technical really difficult um you know parts to play on the guitar and the drums and whatnot i remember people right. would play it for um talent shows a lot because it would it would show off some some good talent but i don't know what you think of muse but i always i that band was always it's it's very um I don't know, specific. Like it's a specific time to listen to. They're kinda they're really interesting, but they're kinda cool at times. Like Yeah, hundred percent. I have to say, um, the last song that I wanna mention uh in this conversation is the one that made me the most angry. Um, not because I don't like the song. I actually I, I quite enjoy this song. I love it, but I am I am just really I'm fucking pissed that it's not higher on this list. Um it's only at number fifty one. She's not so even top high 50. by Tal Bachman. Oh my Not even top gosh. 50, Ethan. That's bullshit. Yeah, Absolute that's complete. Bullshit. I mean, you want to know, like, like whoever, the creators of these lists, you want to know. That that's they, with every that morning not, and, and yeah, that's, they're that's not up included. there. I mean, like my, like my, my top, my top 10, I mean, it's, it's got to be like Faceless Man by Creed, <laughs> Every Morning, All Star, She's So High, and Slide. Like that's, yeah. that, that would be my list. Yeah. I, I totally people, agree. That for it to not be in the top fifty, what's what song fifty? What's oh, man? Do you have nice. it pulled up? It's I not st- she's so high. It's yeah. not Tal Bachman. I know that much, but <laughs> yeah, Bachman. dude, it's just it's a complete complete and utter mess that that song's not higher. So like they they listened to eight oh eight by Black and they decided that that was better than she's so high. But also unreal, they, they redeemed themselves because number forty nine is back to good by Matchbox Twenty. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, from from my my favorite. Matchbox 20 album. I think everybody's favorite Matchbox 20 album, Yourself or Someone Like You. Surprising <laughs> that it charted that high because that album came out in 1996. And uh, I don't know if they were still milking the singles back then. Yeah, they, they released that single in the late 1998, so it was still mm-hmm. kicking around. But yeah, man, Matchbox 20, Sugar Ray, The Goo Goo Dolls, <laughs> Smash Mouth, and yeah, 
because this is the Grunge Bible podcast, I'm glad we did get our Pearl Jam qualifier in there. We did discuss grunge, even though. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, there's only a few. I mean, like I said, the Foo Fighters released the album. Yeah. I mean, Nine Inch Nails released an album. We don't talk about them very much. No, uh, Limp Bizkit released as, an album. There wasn't, yeah, Limp Bizkit. There wasn't as, yeah, there's some new metal stuff. And, you know, I guess Red Hot Chili Peppers and Rage. But there really wasn't much... Uh, being released from the bands that uh we no well, listen, it's like you know, i mean we alice and chains to. were you know for all intents and purposes finished pearl jam had just released yield the year before nirvana obviously nirvana. wasn't existing anymore Soundgarden had broken up in uh 97 so yeah. it was kind of a kind of a dormant period um you know and this was i think a pretty... lot of those bands too um like maybe the the other tier bands were they had people were doing like more solo projects after like eight, eight years into their career or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you get tired and you want to, you want to do different things and um, yeah. it's cool. You know, you imagine back then it's like I mean I don't think people would have thought the Soundgarden would have gotten back together. Certainly when in, in ensuing years when Audio Slave was announced. Um, yeah, I mean same thing with Rage. I mean Rage breaks up after the Battle of Los Angeles and uh, you know yeah here they are. Like I said at the beginning of the episode. Everything always comes back. It's a nice, nice redemption arc. Yeah, absolutely. That's all about. Yeah, man. And then also Plus, in the yeah. same year, we have to talk about one of the biggest concerts. Maybe concert failures, I guess you could say. Complete Not utter a, failure. Absolutely. Failure. Yeah. The 25th anniversary of Woodstock in Woodstock 99 uh, happened. And obviously, have we done a full episode on this? I can't um, remember. We, we've spoken about it. And uh, this just goes to show you how bad we are at um, strategic planning of this podcast. Because when that Netflix special came out, I mean, we should have we should have rushed delivered an episode <laughs> emergency on Woodstock pod. 99. Exactly. We should have conducted an emergency podcast. And, uh, you know, Did I'll, you watch I, it? I Were you say, able to watch? Yeah, I, I watched it. And um, it's funny for me because, like, that – previous to watching that documentary without having really read up about the festival like it was just like meme central of like all of the ridiculous bands that were playing but like afterwards like my perception of it completely changed just because i i learned the extent of the horrible things that people were doing to one another at that at that show um the extent of the neglect for the concert goers um the extent of the complete disregard of people's humanity and right to not be violated in horrible ways by strangers um how disrespectful the crowd was to a lot of the performers like really just one of like the most unhinged like lord of the flies type scenarios um i think we've seen in in live music but uh yeah really strange you watched the documentary right yeah yeah it was it was definitely wild definitely wild how uh, you overbook and like it's just the overcrowdedness of the whole thing led to like yeah. that like and the, obviously the heat but like something simple is like and the same thing happened with like the astro world or whatever the tour was back mm-hmm. a year ago at uh right. travis scott travis scott yeah like and just like overcrowding it just leads to just uh, every problem that you can and it leads Greed. to you know Prices going, yeah, money going up, prices going up, heat, like just irritability between people. And then once people lose their cool and you start, you know, they start going against each other, then, uh, you know, anything yeah. can happen. And that well, shit is Yeah, and anarchy. it goes to show you, like, I mean, like the, the mob mentality or, or, you know, more so it's like when, when things start going off the rails, like people all of a sudden behave differently because they're like, they can get away with things that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get yeah. away with. I mean, from the, from, Looting. From the yeah, like from the, from the get go with this show. I mean, like as soon as I started talking about like holding this show on like a fucking decommissioned concrete airstrip complex in the dead of summer, like, uh, like where, where are you going to go from there? <laughs> like, like, don't worry. It's going to be fine. Uh, man, what an utter mess. But the question, um, you know, yeah, uh, it's the question I have for you. If, you had a chance to go back and be present for it. Would you? Would you want no, to be knowing there? knowing what I know now? No, because I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in that environment and face the uh, the peril that I think existed um, between the contaminated water, um, the lack of water, the lack of restrooms, um, the the public danger. I, I I don't think so. But at the time. I mean, if I was 19 or 22 or whatever, like I, I, I would have wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. 
It is yeah, crazy. Yeah, it could have got super sick, and who knows what what would have actually crazy. happened. It was crazy. Like, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been like how shitty society seemingly always is to women. I mean, fucking chastising all like Cheryl Crow got chastised by everybody like on stage, like everyone was yelling at her to like take her shirt off and people were assaulting people. Just not good. Not, not very good. Um, and it, and it stinks too, because the, the bill was, I mean, the, the, the lineup was so good. Um, and it was so perfect for that era. Um, and I, and I compiled a quick list of some of the, um, some of the bands mm-hmm. and so, for the, the performed that day that we've posted. Um, and from that, from, from Woodstock 99, we've posted the performances from that, that festival, um, of Kid Rock, uh, Alanis Morissette, Rage Against the Machine, Limp Biscuit, Counting Crows, Creed, Collective Soul, Live, and Bush. Uh, I know for a fact their Woodstock 99 performances have all made their way to the page. And uh, I just love the, I love Creed. Creed's the best because uh, Robbie Krieger of The Doors joins in and they, they cover some, they cover some doors. And uh, I mean, they just, they just deliver an absolutely searing set. Um, you know, Scott's got that, the white dress shirt on and the, and the blue boot cut jeans. Oh, and yeah. it's just, it's the perfect encapsulation of the era, my opinion. Yeah, that is, um, that's a fun one to go, go back and take and watch clips of, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, the, the list, it is, a uh, pretty amazing how many, how many big name people were there. I mean, that, but that's, you know, that's festivals, of course. Um, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. I would have, I would have enjoyed seeing a lot of those bands. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it would be like to be an Olymp Biscuit crowd. To be honest, though, that would be pretty. Uh, it's got to be different now. I mean, Limp Biscuit circa '99. That's you know, what I mean. When, when break I mean. stuff comes on, I mean, shit. I don't think like I. I like to consider myself to be pretty um, able to hold my own and conduct myself in various environments. I. I don't. I don't think I have what it takes. That's. I don't think I could hold my own. Yeah, that's a different type of uh, different type of pit that you're involved in. Yeah, and I don't have the hubris to think that I could hold my own. I, yeah, I just think that's uh, you know some some days it's better to just surrender and live to fight another day. <laughs> Fred Durst, man, dude, um, the Durst, the king. Damn. Yeah, man. Well, that's all I really have about. Yeah, that's shit. that's that's Woodstock. That's that's 1999. That's all together. Um, I think that's it, man. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty. Good. I mean, we could go on. You really could go on about all you this could, stuff. You, like, yeah, there's you, a bunch you of. You could go on, and and we need our rest because next week is a big episode uh, for Grunge Bible yeah. and for the Grunge Bible podcast hitting episode 100. So I think that's a really good place to call it. Um, if you're still listening, uh, let's hear what your memories are. You know, leave us a comment. Um, you know, send us a message. Like, what do you think about this era? I think, like we said, like the cool thing about this era is like everybody has an opinion, um, whether it's extremely positive mm-hmm. or extremely negative. Like nobody, nobody rides the middle with this, um, as we certainly don't either. But uh, I would like to thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. Um, you know, please uh, go ahead, hit that subscribe button, leave a review, leave a comment, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies. I don't care. Um, thank <laughs> you to our producer, Drew McFadden, for his continued work work on this podcast and uh we look forward to the next 99 episodes of the grunge bible podcast but uh as we as we get ready to wrap up uh we do have to submit some songs of the week and um Mm -hmm. i would just i'd like to go first um i was so incensed and um just completely infuriated by the injustice that the billboard list did um that i do have to submit uh she's so high by tal bachman as my song of the week um i think it needs it, it we need to we need to do everything we can to give it the respect that it deserves and the respect that it was robbed of in 1999 at the year-end chart so that's my song of the week that's awesome i i feel like um the one time there was a trivia question that you gave me on the pod and uh of who the artist was for that and i, yes. I wasn't able to so i was wondering if that was actually already on the list and, and it's not so i don't know i can't remember how we got into that i don't remember i that. remember th- i remember that happening though yeah um and it's similar as you know as we do my my song is going to come out of 1999 and it's an album that was released that we didn't talk about and i, I saved it for the end here <laughs> an absolute banger of an album that came out that is a soundtrack album for a movie that came out do you have any guesses I don't know if you saw it or it's a kid movie that it was an animated movie that this is one of the 
you know, this most no- notable, oh, one of the most man. notable soundtracks and just, you know, a lot of people say that they probably offered, <laughs> they told this man to write a soundtrack and he had no business going so hard. <laughs> He has no Phil business Collins doing. Phil Collins, Lion King, isn't it? <laughs> no, Tarzan, but Phil Tarzan. Collins, oh Tarzan. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> where he had no business going so hard, and the song I'm going to choose is "Son of Man" because man, it just it has no business being such a banger. Oh my god, dude, that's Son fucking amazing. Thank you for bringing this up because I forgot. Oh, I've yeah. seen so many memes about that. It's like, hey, Phil, like we just need like a little <laughs> yeah. little something for this animated movie, and he's like. Don't you worry, I'm going to create the greatest collection of epic music ever. I'm going to create something so big and so good. Dude, Phil Collins, um, what a fucking king. I tell you, Tarzan, that movie for me was, that was one of the most watched films as a kid because I loved, I loved monkeys and swinging from, and like gorillas and swinging from trees and like the wilderness and it just, Tarzan was just so good. It was perfect. That's, that's amazing. So, I fucking love that. Yeah, so two great entries. Um, yeah, that wraps it up for episode ninety nine. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Go out there um, and listen to your favorite songs of ninety nine. And um, mm-hmm. thank you for making it to the end of the podcast. Yeah, um, thank you. And uh, in advance of episode one hundred, uh, both for you, Ethan, for myself, and for everyone listening, make sure to get proper sleep, hydrate, and come ready to play because uh, we'll be ready. Right, we may need to call in some reinforcements, get our producer Drew to step in for a little bit, and yeah. you know, come in for uh, a quick thirty minutes Couple or something of plays like that. Here and there, yeah. Shout out, shout out to Drew. Uh, thank you again for taking care of the podcast each week, doing it great, uh, doing it justice, and um, we look forward to next week. Next week's a big one, so right on, everybody. Take care. See you.